neighbor. How's everybody doing? Excellent. He ties faster than I do. I guess he learned that. I don't know. You know what? That song, just hearing that little piano number takes me right back to my childhood in North Carolina where I grew up watching Mr. Rogers. I loved that show. And I was just asking my girls, Hannah remembers him, Holly does not. I don't think she even recognizes the music. So parental fail on my part, right? Um, So I'm glad you're all here. My name is Robin Miller, and we are starting a new series where we're going to talk about Mr. Rogers and the gospel according to Mr. Rogers. And you may or may not know, I mean, he is an ordained, or he was an ordained uh, elder in his denomination. He was a minister most of his life. And, you know, the thing I always loved about him is how he treated all people with just this genuine care and respect um, and really did some uh, cultural pushing for his day. And his, his television show, it just offered the significant ministry to the children or, or, and to the, the parents even. I, and it focused on just some basic Christian principles each week. He would talk about things like forgiveness and kindness and uh, respect and compassion. And also, with every episode, he wanted to make sure that all of their viewers, all of the viewers, understood that they were special. You know, in other words, he wanted everyone to know that they had sacred worth in God's eyes. Um, Just that gospel truth that you are loved by God. And, and, I mean, who doesn't need to hear that message, right? Especially children. I mean, kids need that. And, and across the years of Mr. Rogers' ministry, that's exactly what he taught. Now, he never preached a sermon on TV, per se, but he was constantly pushing those Christian foundational beliefs and those sacred truths like the love of God and such, and just uh, letting folks know that they were sacred. So Fred Rogers absolutely lived out the gospel, um, to be sure. Well, this morning I have some good news Um, It's another gospel truth that can really be life-altering. And this good news is about forgiveness. And here's how it goes. The overwhelming love of God came full circle when God sent his son, Jesus the Christ, to this earth to take on the sins of the world to redeem us, and to forgive us. God's love and forgiveness, I mean, in some ways it can just seem practically incomprehensible <laughs> because it can't be earned, uh, it, it, it can't be calculated, and, and it can't be measured. It's just simply there for our receiving. So forgiveness, 
Uh, there is an awful lot that you can say about forgiveness, and this morning I can really only touch on a teeny-weeny piece of what forgiveness is all about in this message. In fact, there have been volumes written on this particular topic, and, and if you've been coming to church for any length of time whatsoever, you've probably heard a sermon or two. I know we've preached countless of sermons at Wood Chapel on forgiveness, and Scripture is just absolutely full of it. Uh, illustrations and instruction for forgiveness. And if we take Scripture seriously, which I hope we do, um, Christians must acknowledge that not only are we a forgiven people, we are called to forgive one another. And this is what we know for sure. Um, it is absolutely one thing to receive God's forgiveness, but it is another uh, altogether to offer it up and live it out, right? Um, there is a book called Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Albert Calhoun, and I love what she said. She said that forgiveness is not a human idea. She said it's a God idea. And in, in forgiveness, it was, it was Jesus' way of being human. Right? He entered into this world, and, and it was a world. I mean, let's be real. It was a world of wrongdoing, and he entered into it with this open heart to love and forgive over and over and over again. And, and so forgiveness is an entirely new way of being human. And it doesn't come easily, does it? Um, and, and we live in a world where people hurt one another. You know, whether it's kind of the, you know, in the form of smaller hurts, and, and, and I don't say that uh, to diminish, but rather just to identify, but those smaller hurts like maybe our heart hurts, right? The rejection, the betrayal, the... Uh, judgment or any of the other things that others might put upon us or, or we upon them. So you have the smaller hurt, so to speak. And then, of course, you have to acknowledge the horrific wrongs in a broken world, like terrorism and torture and, and rape and prejudice and abuse and human trafficking. And the, the list just goes on and on and on and on. And, and, and I don't know about you, but when I hear about those things, when I think about those things, I, I just, I get this pit in my stomach, and, and, and I, and I want to do something, <laughs> right? I want to, you know, I get angry, and, and I think about the ways that I'd like to pass along that hurt, um, and we feel that kind of in the form of re revenge, right, retaliation. We want to get even, with whoever it is that has hurt us, because for a moment, that can actually feel pretty good. Because we're human. And forgiveness seems so completely counterintuitive. Because forgiveness is not a human idea. It's God's idea. Mr. Rogers was so gracious in the way he taught children uh, to use 
healthy ways to express their anger and their hurt and, and their, their feelings. Um, you know, he would use his puppets oftentimes to speak truths. So maybe you saw a puppet when you were coming in this morning. Some of our guest services were welcoming you with puppets. But he would use those as a way to teach the kids and even their parents uh, to, and help them know that there are ways to kind of manage and redirect and release that pain that we feel. And Mr. Rogers, he would encourage expressions that would ultimately help relieve the hurt and begin the healing Right, and he, he uh, in one particular video that I saw, um, Mr. Rogers really taught about the importance of two words in particular. And they're the words, I'm sorry, and how that can be the beginning place of forgiveness and healing. Uh, listen to what he had to say. Hello. I'm Fred Rogers, wanting to add my welcome to you for this workshop about helping children deal with angry feelings. So many people have asked me, do you ever get mad? And of course I answer, well, yes, everyone gets mad sometimes. The important thing is what we do with the mad that we feel in life. A few weeks ago, on my way home from a particularly tough day at work, I stopped to see my two grandsons. Their mom and dad weren't there, but the boys were there with the babysitter in the backyard, squirting water with hoses. I could see that they were really having fun, but I felt I needed to let them know that I didn't want to be squirted, so I told them so. And little by little, I could feel that the older boy, Alexander, was testing the limit until finally his hose was squirting very close to where I was standing. I said to him in my harshest voice, okay, that's it, Alexander, turn off the water, you've had it. He did as I told him, said he was sorry, and looked very sad. The more I thought about it, the sadder I got. I realized that Alexander had not squirted me and that I had stepped into his and his brother's play with a lot of feelings left over from work. So when I got home, I just called Alexander on the phone. I told him I felt awful about my visit with him. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I was taking out my anger from work on him. I told him I was really sorry. Do you know how he answered me? He said, oh, Bubba, he calls me Bubba. Oh, Bubba, everybody makes mistakes sometimes. I nearly cried. I was so touched by his naturally generous heart. And I realized that if I hadn't called him, I might not have ever received that wonderful gift of Alexander's sweet forgiveness. I love that, to receive the gift of forgiveness from someone. So sweet, so sweet. Um, you know, Mr. Rogers wasn't the only one to talk about forgiveness. Actually, the Apostle Paul talked about it um, specifically in one letter. Uh, we did it more than that, but in one letter to the church in Ephesus, he was talking about 
forgiveness and such. And I want you to listen, just a couple of verses, very short, but I want you to listen to what Paul had to say to the church in his letter to the Ephesians. It says, therefore, each of you must put off, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. And don't let the sun go down while you're, you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. I think if Paul were listening to Mr. Rogers, he would say you might need to go in and say you're sorry. It's not that you are angry, but what you do with your anger that can get you in trouble, right? So Paul knew that. And then he goes on, he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, listen to this, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Just as in Christ God forgave you. So the New Testament letters, most of which were written by Paul, uh, they were actually addressing these communities that were building up, these communities of early, early Christians who were, you know, they were just trying to figure out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> right? They're trying to learn how to do life together, and they're doing it in a world where there is strife, and there's confusion, and there's differences of opinion, and there's persecution and dissension, not only on the outside of their community, but sometimes they dealt with some of that in their community. All right, so these are just people trying to follow Jesus and trying to live in a community, trying to help each other grow in the ways of Jesus, and it was really, really hard. Sound familiar? Um, and, and still for today, in some parts of the world, and, and we, we can never forget this, all right, but in some parts of the world, being a Christian is, is nothing short of life-threatening. Um, now, in the U.S., you know, we don't usually have to worry about being persecuted for our faith in a way that does any kind of life-threatening damage, but, you know, our faith challenges tend to be different. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we live in a culture where people are so often encouraged to get even with people who hurt you, you know? Revenge is a dish best served cold, you know? You got to get back at whoever hurts you. You, you got to be number one and you got to get ahead. Nobody's going to do that for you. And if anybody gets in their way, your way, just get rid of them. So now in a, uh, another book, it's called Forgiving as we have been forgiven. It was written by two people, Gregory Jones, and Gregory Jones is the dean at Duke Divinity School in North Carolina. And actually his brother is a bishop in uh, the United States here with the Methodist Church. So it was written by Gregory Jones and another gentleman named Celestin Muscura. And Celestin is from Rwanda. And the two of these gentlemen, they wrote a book about the 100 days of genocide in Rwanda back in 1994. And so uh, these two wrote about um, living out a ministry of reconciliation and forgiveness following all of that violence that took place. And it devastated the country of Rwanda. 
And, and not only that, I mean, in many cases, people lost a lot of family and friends and loved ones, including Celestin, one of the authors. And so Gregory Jones, he says this, he said, I'm humbled by the invitation to write a book on forgiveness with my friend Celestin. We met at Duke in 2004, and he told me the story of his struggle to live out the ministry of reconciliation after the tragedy of genocide. I remember sitting across from him at dinner, listening to the story of how his mother had been presumed dead with almost everyone else in their home village, but then was found to be alive many months later. And I asked Celestin where his mother was now. At home in Rwanda, he said. And who cares for her, I said. A man whose family killed my father and our neighbors, Celestin mentioned. And he said, I stopped eating and I stared in wonder at the man across the table. I have taught classes, given lectures, and written books on forgiveness. And here is one who has lived it. The gift of a friendship with someone like Celestin is that you get to see with your own eyes that it is possible to embody forgiveness in the worst of this world's brokenness. Forgiveness, Celestin insists, is the heart of the gospel. And as people who have been forgiven, we have no choice. And here's what we know to be true. Forgiveness isn't just some high ideal. Forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness does process wrongdoings. Um, it, it doesn't minimize wrongdoings. You know, it's the, it's the gut-wrenching process, and, and it will place blame. But it also gives the wrongdoer a, a gift, kind of like Mr. Rogers mentioned. There, there's a gift that comes to the wrongdoer. Forgiveness is what separates the wrongdoer from the wrongdoing uh, by refusing to label them as all bad. And so when we forgive, what we're doing is we're, we're joining our hearts to the heart of Jesus, who has a heart for the sinner. And he taught that and he lived that. And, and I'm here to tell you that this, this is an idea that if we embrace, if we embrace fully and if others embrace this, we can turn this world upside down in a good way. And Mr. Rogers, like I said, he was an ordained elder in his denomination, and he had a lifelong friendship with one of his seminary professors, and this is what his friend and professor had to say about forgiveness. Uh, his name was Dr. William Orr, right? And he said, you know, Fred, there's one thing that evil cannot stand, and that is forgiveness. 
and you notice the rest of the page is blank. Yes. It needs a lot of time to think about that. I love that. One thing evil cannot tolerate is forgiveness. Um, and the truth is, we all need forgiveness. And, and the Bible is just full of stories on forgiveness. I mean, you, you don't have to go very far in the very first chapter to hear about that. And, you know, one of my favorite stories on this topic of forgiveness is the story of Jacob and Esau. They're the, the two brothers. They were the sons of, uh, of Isaac or the great the grandsons of Abraham. So early on in the biblical narrative, you have this situation where forgiveness becomes necessary. And these two guys, Jacob and Esau, they were twins and sibling rivalry was, uh, pr was present all throughout their life. Um, and, and in fact, uh, they were estranged because Jacob stole Esau's inheritance and stole his blessing from his father Isaac. So Jacob did that. Esau got so mad at him, so Jacob fled their home because Esau threatened to kill him. And, and so the two lived far away for a long, long time. And in fact, like 20 years after Jacob had fled the house, God told Jacob, you know what? It is time for you to go home. You need to go back. You need to go back home. And now the thing was going home for Jacob meant that he would have to go through some of the land that Esau owned. And he was a little nervous about that. Because the last time he had seen his brother, his brother had threatened to kill him. So Jacob, you know, out ahead of him, he sends a bunch of gifts to his brother to kind of soften his brother's heart so that maybe he won't kill him. And it turns out when Jacob comes face to face with Esau after all of those years, a brother he had stolen from, Esau ran to greet him. And, and grabbed a hold of him, and they wept together. I mean, Jacob needed that forgiveness. And so did Esau. I mean, that is such a great story of forgiveness. And it, it, it's actually one that even gets picked up um, and retold in the Gospels. Um, does Esau running to greet the one who had left home offering this extravagant forgiveness? Does that remind you of a story Jesus told? It's the prodigal son. So forgiveness was needed in Jacob's time. It was needed in Jesus' time. And it makes me wonder, you know, what does that extravagant show of forgiveness look like today and would we recognize it when we saw it last month um, a lady by the name of Amanda Geiger was sentenced to 10 years in prison for killing a man you may have heard about this on the uh, news it was all over um, a killing that took place in Texas she she was a police officer, and she shot a man in his own apartment, which she claimed she mistook for her apartment. Um, so they went through the trial. She was found guilty, and she was sentenced. 
And at the hearing where her sentence was handed down, after that, the victim, uh, his brother, spoke to the courtroom. And it, it was just amazing what he said. And uh, he, off, he said the words to her. He was like, I, I forgive you. And, and he goes on to say, he goes, you know, I don't want to watch you rot in prison. That's not my hope here. In fact, I want you to listen for yourself the words of this brother who's uh, gone through this horrific crime. Take a listen. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. That's his brother's killer. And, and this is not a reflection on her sentence or her guilt or innocence or anything of that nature. It's just simply a modern day, radical, extravagant show of forgiveness. And I think it's that kind of show of forgiveness that has the power to change our world if we let it. And, and here's another truth. And, you know, as hard as it is, I want you to listen very closely because, you know, the people that have hurt you or the person that has hurt you or that has hurt others, God loves them, even them. I mean, God sees their sacred worth, and they too are loved deeply by God. So forgiveness is an entirely new and different way of being human. It is Jesus' way of being human and when you forgive, what you do is you allow God to deal with the person who hurt you. All right? You, you kind of remove yourself out of, the, out of the position of judge, which is actually a position we were never meant to have. And you let God handle the sin that was done against you. And that doesn't happen accidentally. 
and it's not easy. But the thing that evil cannot tolerate is forgiveness. And so in those moments, we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and just strive to be obedient to God's word of forgiving others. So what we're going to do, I want to just spend a couple of moments in silence and just think about, you know, who in our life do maybe we need to forgive? Or is there someone we need to approach with the words, I'm sorry. So take a few moments, let the Holy Spirit move in you, and then I'll bring us back in prayer. God, forgiveness is not easy. But it's also not a human idea. It is your idea. And so we will rely on you when offering or receiving that forgiveness seems so counterintuitive to everything we've ever known or been taught. So help us in those moments because forgiveness is the very thing that can turn our world upside down in a good way. And we pray this in the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.